Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Special Edition. I'm Paula Dagnan. We're going to start off today by meeting Sarah Chavaria. Sarah is the Executive Vice President of Delta Dental of California, located with offices right here in Northeast Pennsylvania. Let's talk getting back to the dentist. Sarah, let's begin by having you tell us a little bit about Delta Dental of California. Who are you uh, responsible for? Um, where are you located? Absolutely. Uh, while we're Delta Dental of California, we cover 36 million members across 15 states. And so we have offices in places like Georgia and Pennsylvania, and we're headquartered in the state of California. If I am correct, we have Delta Dental right here, and um, I'm a proud member of Delta Dental, just so you know. Um, oh, that's and, wonderful. <laughs> and, and yes, a, a, lot of, a lot of things have changed, especially with COVID-19. Now, I'll tell you my story. I had the opportunity to visit my dentist since the restrictions have been lifted a little bit because I had a tooth problem. And I did notice that there have been many, many, many changes. Now, I know my dentist um, already was very concerned about safety and patients and, the, you know, the employees there. But now that's gone up one more step. So can you give us just a little bit of an overview to start what some of the changes have, have you taken in uh, your dentists since COVID-19? Oh, I love this question because like you, I also made sure to visit my dentist um, since the restrictions have been lifted a bit. And I think, you know, you started by sharing something really important, which is that dentists have always had a strong focus on infection control in their offices. And they should be taking every precaution because they want to keep themselves, their staff, and of course you as a patient um, really safe during this time. But I think, you know, what people should um, or could prepare for that will be a little bit different is it's likely that your dentist is going to start with a health screening and will want to know if you've been exposed to COVID-19, if you've traveled. They may take your temperature or ask that you take your temperature before you arrive. It's likely that they will have you arrive and stay in your car, notifying them that you're there so that they can meet you either at your car, at a table outside. That's what my dentist did. 
Um, I think it's important for parents to know that this is a time when you may not be able to accompany your child um, in to see the dentist. Of course, they're trying to also limit contact and maintain social distancing, so this is really important. And they may not have some of the things, you know, that we've enjoyed while waiting in their waiting room out, like their magazines and their coffee, and that makes a lot of sense. But I think once you're in the dentist chair, some of the things that you might notice is that while your hygienist or your dentist has probably always, you know, been wearing gear like a mask and goggles or things like that, um, they might be wearing gowns, they might be wearing face shields or, you know, changing out their gloves while you're um, there for your visit. I think that um, you might experience them using less of the... um, the, what are they, the contraptions that, you know, put uh, droplets into the air and using more of the, you know, more manual processes and greater suction. But I think um, overall that, uh, you know, things that we're experiencing in the grocery store like plexiglass between you and the person who might be checking you out are things that we should expect. And, you know, I'll just underscore again what, what you started with, which is dentists have always um, taken incredible precautions for us, and I think that my personal experience made me feel really safe going to the dentist, and I was really glad to get back in the chair. (laughs) Well, you mentioned children, and I'd like to come back to that in just a moment, but let's move to the other end of the spectrum, the seniors. And I know, again, the whole idea with COVID is if you have underlying conditions, and so that in itself could be a deterrent for especially senior citizens for keeping up with dental appointments or going in if they're having a problem with something. What do you say to them? You know, this is probably really important uh, for for us to hear, which is, you know, nearly 70% of people over 65 have some kind of gum disease. And a dentist is often the only doctor that that people see in a year and making sure to get into that doctor's visit, that dental visit is so important right now because something that can seem small or insignificant can certainly get more complicated if it's left untreated. And a dentist who's providing that checkup, that cleaning, especially for seniors during this time, um, is so important because oral health and health are very, very linked, and that dentist may be able to um, get a glance at something that could be an early indicator of heart disease, of diabetes, of um, even Alzheimer's or cancer. And you want to make sure that, um, you know, you're doing everything you can to be very preventative, and getting in to see that dentist can be really key, especially for our seniors. And I think many people would think, well, I'm not sure how comfortable I feel, so I'm not having any pain. I'm not, you know, I mean, I'll just wait. But, but you mentioned those cleanings, and they are indeed very important. You know, they're really important. I mean, according to the CDC, one in five people over 65 have untreated tooth decay. And there's a number of reasons for that. Some of us take medications where the side effect is dry mouth, and if you have less saliva in your mouth, you're having less bacteria washed away. Additionally, as we age, so do our fillings, and decay is more likely to develop around those fillings. And gum recession becomes more common for those of us over 40. 
So again, I think even if you don't feel the pain or something may not be obvious, getting in and having a hygienist and a dentist really um, do that preventative visit is so key for all of us, but especially for those of us who are seniors. One of the things that uh, we've heard an awful lot about since all this began was telemedicine. Is there teledentistry? Oh, I'm so glad you asked about that because I think that's one of the things that people are learning about as they're seeking options. Absolutely. If you can't see the dentist in person for whatever reason, you should ask them about their teledentistry options. Many insurers, including us at Delta Dental, we cover teledentistry for consultation. And, you know, I'll share here that what it might involve is that you take pictures of your mouth, you take a picture of a tooth, you take a picture of your smile, you open your mouth and you get those pictures into your dentist and or you might meet with them, you know, via video conferencing. So you might have a Skype call with them or a FaceTime call or Zoom and do your consultation with them having access to those pictures. And that can be a really great way if you can't get in to see the dentist right away. Um, to make sure you get that consultation and at least start that conversation with your dentist about your overall oral health. Let's get back to the idea of the kids going because, again, depending on where you are, there is uh, schools opening, schools not opening, but still, it's that time of the year when children are going and getting their preschool checkups from the doctor, from the dentist. Now, parents, and I heard you mention this before, and I could see heads turning. I can't go in <laughs> with my child? What, Sarah? What are, what are we going to do? <laughs> I know. I have uh, myself a child who is in braces and, of course, has to go because inevitably a bracket may you know, fall off or, you know, cause pain or whatever. And, you know, I'll just come back to, you know, we're, we're all working really hard to um, maintain social distancing and be really careful during this time. And so are our dentist's office. And I know it can be really hard to imagine um, letting your little one walk away from you at the car or <laughs> um, go into that office. But I would say reach out to your dentist's office they understand this, especially any dentist who takes care of children, and they'll walk you through what the protocols will look like, and they'll help you have that conversation with your child to make it a better experience for you and for them. But it is just as important that our children get in to see their dentist for all the same reasons that it is for us, getting that cleaning, getting that checkup, and making sure that the oral health and the health of our children is great, especially as they head into whatever their schooling is going to look like in the fall, which for many of us is they're going to stay right here. Well, I, I have to, now, now that we're this far into the interview, I can tell you that I hate teeth because I hate teeth and I hate teeth pain and I hate having any problem with teeth or anything. So that's why my dentist oh. is one of my best friends. <laughs> because if, if that starts to happen, and that's what happened, I actually had a cap. And my cap fell off just as I was driving oh. my car. It decided to oh, fall off. Awful. And oh. I noticed that there was underneath, and it turns out that there were still roots. So I oh. called the office, and I talked to them, and I expressed my concerns. And I said, you know, what am I, am I going to have to go to some other office? 
and they said, no, you know, we'll come in, will you come in, we'll look at it, chances are he can just Novocaine you up and he can, he can do that. That in itself was just a whole different experience for me because not only did I have my dealing with teeth, but, <laughs> but I also had to deal with all of the, the new protocols. So I, I have to say for anyone who is listening, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't bad at all. It was much better than I expected. <laughs> <laughs> I concur. I, I also went, and um, I think it was a great experience um, in, in the sense that I almost, you know, realized that it's uh, – it's a greater risk for them than for me because everything that they had in place for me as a patient um, really, you know, minimized that risk. And I think you underscored something really important, which is, you know, many dentist offices, even when they were closed, were able to take care of those emergency situations. And it sounds like you have a great relationship with your dentist. And I think that's really key is that, you know, people reach out to their dentist's office. I know a lot of them are being really proactive about reaching out to their patients and finding times to get them in to get them seen and to get that preventative care. But for emergency care, I would say reach out, have a conversation, understand what the protocols are going to be, and like you, you're going to have a good experience. Now, before I let you go, is there anything else, Sarah, that you would like our listeners to know about getting to the dentist, Delta Dental, uh, anything at all that you would like to share with us? I think I would like to just close by saying I know that um, with COVID-19, it has been, you know, potentially difficult to, to get that visit in. And, you know, I think it's highly recommended that people get in the dentist chair twice a year because of your oral health and your health being so linked. It's, you know, even if you make it to the dentist's office one time this year, that's better than not going at all. So I just want to leave people with that. And if, you know, folks want more information about what the protocols are or they're nervous and they want to do some research, um, the ADA.org website has some great information about those precautions. And I'm just really happy that you had me on your show today. I love talking about smiles and oral health and mouths, and I just wish everybody a really great day. Well, many, 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 many years ago, I did an interview, and I was left with this by the dentist that I interviewed. When someone tells you you have a beautiful smile, thank your dentist. <laughs> very good I will do that the next time I see my dentist <laughs> thank you Sarah it was a pleasure thank you Paula it was the same you have a great day thanks again to Sarah Shavaria of Dental Dental of California for joining us now don't go away when we come back Intercom's Jason Barsky talks with Pennsylvania State Representative Tara Tuhill about getting back into sports on Special Edition Welcome back to Special Edition. What will happen with 2020 fall sports for high school players? We'll get an idea when Intercom's Jason Barsky talks with Pennsylvania State Representative Tara Tuhill. Good morning to uh, State Representative Tara Tuhill. Thank you for being on the show this morning. Good morning, Jason. Thanks so much for having me. I'm very happy to have you, and I want to say hi to your husband. Apparently, your husband listens to this show, and I think that's super cool. So, hi. I don't yes, know. we have to give give Scott a shout-out. He was very excited. He does talk about your show a lot, and as do a lot of employees that drive in the car while they're working um, from job site to job site. So, I know that they're all out there listening to you. People often criticize me for interrupting people on the phone. 
Can I tell you something? Okay. I just learned the secret to, to get me to not interrupt. Just say really nice things. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just sitting here listening going, this Hey there. Is, I, mean, I don't handle this stuff very well. I compliments. I don't handle it very well. So I'm getting, I guess I'm getting better. But thank you. Tell your husband, Scott, I said hello and I appreciate it. And uh, um, well, let's get to some of the reason we have you on here or the reason. Yeah. Okay. So the PIA, Pennsylvania Inter- Interscholastic Athletic Association, came out with their decision to say, hey, sports will go on. We think, but if when they do, spectators will not be allowed in the stands. And I, I brought this up when it first was announced, and I said, I wonder how parents are going to react to this. And I'll be honest, most of the responses I got here were like, "Hey, guess what? Uh, you got to keep the kids safe." Or who cares? The parents should just suck it up. It's not about them; it's about the kids. But you, you've experienced something a little bit different. Is that correct? Yes. So first off, we want to be cognizant of the fact that all of our safety rules that we're having need to be based in science and in facts. So right now in Luzerne County, we have 14 new cases, but that doesn't mean that there's 14 people that are sick, hospitalized, on ventilators, dying. It can be, many of these cases are asymptomatic Mm -hmm. um, and there's really not the negative impacts that we were having at the beginning of this virus of what we experienced so we've done so much to prevent spread to mitigate the actual damage that has gone on with people Uh, but we're still living in this fear and so the PIAA is a great example of where a blanket approach is not helpful so it might be easy for them to say no spectators Uh, But the the calls that I'm getting at my office are parents who have a cross-country runner. It's their child's senior year. I mean, you're taking a lot away from those families. And and everyone has sacrificed so much with quarantine in your homes. Children haven't been in school since March 16th. We have, you know, a lot of of items that have been, you know, a lot of sacrifices that are going on. Yeah, so. I, I, one thing I, I've, you know, I'm all for safety. And, uh, you know, if I had to guess, I'd say the safest thing would be for us to all lock ourselves in, but we can't go about life like that. You know what I mean? I feel like we've gotten to such a point in this whole process that we kind of know how to live life for the most part. If we take precautions, we can live life and we can get out and do things. But for me, it's right. the, it's the and that's it. actually healthier and that's actually healthier. And some of the science and data is saying that's healthier than the constant masking, not washing your mask, people interchanging masks. Like there's, we have Who's the masking doing that? issue. Oh my god! And then, and then quarantining <laughs> the healthy, and quarantining the healthy is not something that you do in science. So there's a lot of things that we're doing um, that are are really not making sense long term. And so uh, you know, limiting spectators maybe is more productive. We have families that have called that they were concerned. So some people are like, it's sports, who cares? Mm -hmm. Uh, But sports in childhood sports are are a big, um, are, are totally different than, um, you know, American spectator sports, what we watch, mm-hmm. that, that gives people hope and, and gives people a pastime as well and is important. Uh, but with the children, these children have been um, really denied socialization. They've been denied a lot of their education. And we're going to see, we, we had a mental health and COVID-19 hearing last week where the experts were extremely concerned about families that have never had mental health impacts 
that going forward that it's an event horizon they called it and mm-hmm. that we haven't even seen the mental health impacts um, and 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 it is it is interesting when you talk to kids they say i want to go back to school i don't care can i sleep at the school can i please go back to school like they're desperate to go back to school and desperate for this socialization and sports does give um, youth a purpose and, and it's important and sometimes you're taking away that child's identity if it's very very based in the sports yeah you know i always say and, and i get that kids want to go back my son wants to go back but he's also like wow he's been thinking about it like you tell he's processing the whole thing like he wants to go back to school but at the same time he doesn't and it's not it has right. nothing to do with fear i think he's just nervous about being in school but as far as kids saying i want to do this like my daughter wants to sleep under our deck most nights we can't just <laughs> let him do that and i think as a, you're a parent you know that uh, we got to do what's, right. what's best and i think i think we probably have to agree to disagree a little bit on what's right and what's wrong but look new science comes out all the time for me i wear a mask i deal with it and i am kind of used to it i mean i wore wore my mask today i forgot my glasses at home that's how normalized this mask thing has gotten for me well i was going to say for me the consistency or lack of consistency is what drives me nuts because you know you say they say okay well we can have we can have sports like football but am am i wrong did did i hear that they aren't going to allow cheerleaders or bands to to perform correct so there's a problem in that because it needs to be about how can we do it safely? Yeah. So just to say, yes, football, no cheerleaders, no band, those are actual sports activities for mm-hmm. those youth. Um, and, not, you know, not just like part of the being a fan. They're actually... Oh, sure. Trust that me. that is their sport, right? If I had a so, guess, if um, I had a guess, you'd probably get more outrage from band parents than football parents. Right. And they well, are passionate so, about that. Yes, and so we were um, talking about, and, and such talented youth that have sure, worked sure. so hard, and so there has to be a way, well, especially at a football game, you have such a, a larger area that you can space people right. out and have more distancing. So it's really about safety and about how can we do, how can we modify to have these events but do them more safely. Um, so obviously they don't want to have crowds of, uh, you know, if we're limited right now, well, for outdoor, um, you know, you don't want to go over 250. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if we have those limitations, but you're in a much wider area, a broader area, you can space people out. Yeah. Um, so, the, I mean, the band doesn't all have to sit together. So I guess they're worried about crowd control. I think it's just easier if you're the head of the PIAA to just give it no. this blanket yeah. approach. Some of these, we have 500 school districts. Some of them are extremely small, like Weatherly, uh, Weatherly area right outside of Hazleton area um, had a, a much easier time putting together their plan, whereas Hazleton area school district, their back to school plan um, is on first review. So, um, you know, we're dealing with a lot of really different situations, and I think this blanket approach is, is yeah. really unfair. Your husband and it would. Impacts, I mean, your yes. husband, your husband Scott would know this if he listens to this show. I, I, I'm very much against blanket statements and blanket decisions because it, it, we don't live in a one size fits all world, and it, it is tough because if you have like, how can you say a small school can't do it when even if every parent showed up, you know, you'd have I don't know, it just it, these things don't make sense. You can't do it one size doesn't fit all we can't make these decisions right. like that uh, and safety has to definitely come first so I agree with you there and, and back to consistency I just I remember thinking about seeing some of these graduation ceremonies just a few like last month where you had parents jammed in the stands 
You know, things aren't consistent, and I don't know what has to happen. Because every time I know the governor, if if the governor would come out and say, no fans, people would lose their mind, understandably. They'd be like, how can he decide that for us? But we're letting other people make these decisions as well. So where do you go from here? How do you get to the, what is the goal? And how do you get there? And do you think it's even possible? So the goal, first, I, I look at it as it's personal decisions. So if if you're in deep fear, in deep fear, um, and in deep fear for your family, um, and and there's a lot going on right now in the media, and there's a lot that that is very scary. Um, you have to choose what facts you're looking at. So um, I think families are making personal decisions. If you have a family with an ailment, a family member with an ailment, a pre-existing condition, family members that are older, then they would not go to these sporting events. And you want to refrain from going to places where there's larger um, larger crowds. And there's all different types of viruses at when you go to large crowds. Um, so I think that we have to focus on that more that it's that it's very personal um in these decisions but that we are able to do a lot of things safely and and children it's not only physically like for their physical health but right now we have outdoor um training going on for specific sports and then in the hazelton area uh, a group started outdoor sports and agility Mm -hmm. and there's only 30 youth that are at it and they are spread out and there's soccer fields so literally on these soccer fields you could have many more youth out working out i know swimming the outdoor swimming has been going on and so you think of the health of your children as well if you're keeping them in the home they're just you know on technology they're not being exposed they're not out in the sunlight not out in the air and in inner cities youth really aren't having a lot of these opportunities so across pennsylvania children are not okay i mean we have the child abuse reports went down 40 percent now they're only down 30 percent and there usually is um, a percentage that it goes down in the summer but families aren't all okay right now and children aren't all okay so we want to try to have normalcy as much as we can and modify it Um, so the you know the masking is a modification the social distancing is a modification Um, but i think that at some point we have to allow uh, you know some attempt at normalcy although it's going to be obviously extremely modified when when you look around uh, i'm guessing you pay attention a little bit to the pro sports world to see the struggles they're having with these million dollar facilities and there's people are still getting sick do you worry that you know if we go forward with this and we follow this plan it's going to be just a matter of time before one case turns into two or three and then schools start pulling the plug in their programs and then we went through all this work for something that may not even happen. Do you think these seasons are going to play start to finish? There's no way to really know for uh, I, sure. but Yeah, there's no really no real way to know, but that comes with the accountability. What are we yeah. going to do, like with the Marlins, how then they had to... Oh, yeah, yeah. How can we games, possibly... But they weren't following protocols, right? Right. right. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, everyone's going to do it slightly different. These people have the budgets. I, get, I just get nervous. Like, people have asked me, like, why are you not into sports? To me, it has nothing to do with political statements. I can look past all that. It's just that I don't think, I don't want to get committed to something that I think is going to end really quickly. Uh, but that's, a, I guess that's a different discussion. And uh, uh, what's the next step well, for... Well, kind the- of like the graduation for the kids, like how they, you know, they had to have cyber graduation. and But at least, I think, 
we have to make an attempt, but it has to be sure. much more restrictive. Um, there have, has to be temperature screening. Mm-hmm. The youth have to be told repeatedly to social distance. Mm-hmm. Um, and family members have to uh, have integrity about it, that they're not going to be sending their child yeah. sick to places. Um, but I think we have to look at the success that we've had because our county, when we mobilized in this response, it was, we were looking at um, extreme death. Like we really thought there were going to be people dying in the streets and that we would have to have refrigerated morgues like New York. Thankfully and, that um, didn't happen, right? Yeah. You know, like we've really come extremely far um, and, and, children need to be educated they they do need to have socialization and we have to be able to do this in a balanced approach and nothing's being forced on families so you still have those individualized choices that you can make for your families um but overall i mean the cases are are really good right now and um We've had mass protests. We've had a lot of socialization. We have people vacationing, bringing, um, you know, cross-contaminating or or bringing virus back. So um, I I think, you know, school is difficult and it's obviously going to be limited right now. Um, And the sports is is with a limited number of students that are involved in that. Uh, Representative, uh, Pennsylvania State Representative Tara Tuhill from, you know, representing the 116th Legislative District. You know, I, I would love to continue talking about this. To have you back yeah. again. And uh, um, and I, I appreciate the time. And, uh, you know, well, listen, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, come on. Tell your husband I said thank you again. And, uh, Excellent. Um, I will. If you wouldn't mind telling everyone in Harrisburg, that would be wonderful. I would greatly appreciate it. And if there is a... Yeah, we'll have them come on your show. <laughs> I've had a few. I've had a few. So Not all of them, right? <laughs> no, it's hard sometimes, you know. <laughs> but I, I do appreciate you getting back to me so quickly. That was very kind of you, and we will talk again soon. Representative uh, Pennsylvania Thank State Representative so Tara Tool, thanks for being on the Jason Barsky Show. Don't go away. There's more special edition to come. Welcome back to Special Edition. One of the stories in the news this week, the Shaheen Mackey case. The 41-year-old man from Berwick was arrested in November of 2018 and held at the Luzerne County Correctional Facility where he died two days later. An update from the Mackey family attorney with Intercom's Frank Andrews. On the line with us right now is the Mackey family attorney, Attorney Theron Solomon. Thank you for joining us, sir. Hey, no problem. What, what, I mean, this thing is in the citizen's voice. It's now kind of going all over the state. And what kind of response are you getting, sir? Uh, I think it's a positive response. Um, you know, at the, at the end of the day, we brought this case uh, for the family because, and I mean, when we brought this case, we brought it before we even knew what happened. We just knew based on what we saw before we even saw the video, something terrible happened here and uh, someone needed to answer for it. So I think we're getting a very positive response and, you know, we had a positive settlement and, you know, I think Luzerne County or some of the officials think you settle the case and everything goes away, but it doesn't. This happened and it's not going away. Now, uh, from what I understand, the uh, Luzerne County District Attorney cleared everybody, all the officials there, the guards and everybody else of any wrongdoing, correct? Yeah, I believe her statement was no crimes were committed. Would you agree with that? <laughs> uh, no. I think anyone that sees the video, they could say, I mean, I, I could point out a couple, but I, I think it, I think it's a, a extreme excessive force 
Um, I don't know at what level that they say that a crime needs to be committed, but uh, as someone that practices in criminal defense law, I can tell you that I've seen plenty more cases move through the magistrates and common police court with much less violent acts than what we saw in that video. A couple of things that bothered me. First of all, the use of tasers. But even before we get to the tasers, what, what, what caused him to be so irritated where they had to put him in the restraining chair and the spit mask? I mean, was it transporting here, there? What, what was going on? So Mr. Mackey had just arrived. Um, Mr. Mackey had only been there a few hours. He was epileptic. And from the, what his cellmate had told me in an interview, um, he was yelling at the wall. He was, like, you know, basically completely out of it. Even at one point, Mr. Mackey, we believe, took a seizure. He ended up going into the wrong cell. They locked him in the wrong cell for an hour. Like, he was completely out of it. And they treated his non-compliance to their directives as resisting arrest and non-compliance and they treated his seizure with uh, a smack to the head and a chain to the chair and a mask over his face and about 50 tasers 50 yeah if you count them in the video they hit that ebit about i think it was in the high 40s and it, the thing is there's a good portion of the video that you haven't seen where they take them in the cell, out of the cell, and they have already burned through an EBIT. That's what they call their tasers. They have already burned through one before they get to where they're at here, and there's no volume on that video. So I have no idea how many times they tasered them then. Okay, now, you know, the, the story suggests that they thought he was on crystal meth or something. What, was there any drug abuse in, involved here? No, and they did the most extensive drug screening you could possibly do, and that was the DA's office before while they did their investigation. And, you know, the sad part is, before they even had the results of that test, they were in the newspaper saying that he was on drugs and he had drug-like strength and he must be on drugs. So I don't know how you do a thorough investigation when you pre-decide things that later turn out to be false. Well, now, do I understand that they administered Narcan, which is the, uh, the, the stuff to bring you out of, uh, of an overdose? Yes, they did. Is that itself dangerous if you're not having an overdose? I'm not a doctor, but from my understanding, I don't believe there is. I don't know what the side effects would be, uh, but from my understanding, I don't believe it is dangerous to even those who aren't overdosing. I think that's kind of the idea that they can give you a shot just in case because it's a spray up the nostril. I believe they were giving them. Um, so I don't know what the interactions are. We never made it that far with, with the medical doctors. Um, that's something we were going to explore, but, you know, the case resolved at least somewhat. Well, now, obviously, this, this video, which was surveillance video, was, was leaked on Facebook, which, of course, you know, kind of throws it into a national spotlight. What, what do you think needs to happen as a result of people seeing this? Well, I mean, I just hope there's accountability. And it, the leak, and I can tell you that in every case that I have, that our firm has, both civil and criminal, uh, when I get discovery, the client gets a copy. Um, so that's the family, the Mackey family has not only that video, they have the reports, they, they get everything that we get because that's what we have, transparency here at our firm. So people are upset that, that they have a copy of the video. That I, I think it's outrageous that they're upset about that when she should be upset what's on the video. But at the end of the day, what, what we really want to see happen is accountability. We don't want this to happen again. There's nothing we're going to be able to do to bring him back. Um, and we just want to make sure that there's policy and procedure in place. And I think, uh, like I said this before, a real hard look at the personnel. 
I don't know how the county council watches that video and says, boy, these are some guys that need to be working for us, especially some of the bad apples in the video. Well, now, as part of the settlement, did you did you require, you know, sensitivity training? Did you require, you know, anything to kind of make sure that people were, were able to handle such an incident in a safe way? I will tell you that Luzerne County did, um, and specifically their council, um, they did sit down with us. We did go over non-monetary demands. They ensured us that these things would be carried through. They said it would take time to get everything through. But they did tell us that they were going to follow through on these things. Um, and, I mean, you know, I really think that there is a lack of, 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 I guess, following through on the training. But I can tell you, I would, going through their policy manuals and everything they have, 90% of the stuff that we want and the family was requesting and we were talking about is already in their policies and their procedures and their training. So they're just not following them. See, what, And it's not everybody. It's not everyone. No, it's not. And we don't want to use a broad brush to paint everybody as the bad no. guy here. But, but my concern is that we are in a situation nationwide where we are asked to take a look at black lives and, and, and law enforcement. And I'm just wondering, you know, in, in putting that in perspective, what do we need to do right now as a result of this? Do we need to, do we need to call on the county to do more training? I mean, when you call about accountability what specific things do you think we need to do based on what we have just seen i think they need to retrain the officers that were involved in this case i think they need to institute a policy that if you're involved in an incident where uh serious injury results or death that you are suspended i know there's a union but suspended be, be with or without pay until there's a full investigation um because let's say for a, for instance here these guys you know, did this. And I, like I said, not everyone is a bad apple, but the bad apples that were involved did this. And the next day they went back to work. I mean, they weren't suspended. They weren't uh, temporarily put on administrative leave. So let's say that the district attorney's office in a couple weeks, they had the investigation said, you know, it's criminal what they did. Well, guess what? Those criminals who did something wrong were in their jail with other people's loved ones every day. So that's a real change that needs to go into effect. Now, I was just checking some records here, and I understand that uh, on the day that the county council voted to approve the $3 million settlement for the Mackey case, uh, Walter Griffith, one of the councilmen, made a motion to amend the original motion to terminate the manager and the warden because he thought the video was very disturbing, but it was voted down 8 to 2. Now, were you aware of that, the call for some resignations? I did. I, I watched the, on, I guess it was Microsoft Teams or Zoom, I did watch the, um, you know, the video. Well, Attorney Solomon, I thank you for joining us. Thank you for giving us your perspective on this. We're grateful. Thank you, sir. Intercon's Doc Medic gets us back to work. On with us now, Donna Siriani, who has a company called MovingForwardSeminars.com. And Donna, some people will be going back into the workplace. Some people nervous about it. What should they be expecting? Thank you, Doc. That's a, that's a great question. Um, a lot of people are reopening right now and going back to work. And I think that people are very concerned about the safety, about staying six feet apart and, and social distancing and the mask wearing, but I, which is very important. But I also think it's really important besides your workspace that your headspace is back to work, you know? Right. Because we've all gone through these crazy times and now we're like going from a place of uncertainty and we want to get back to certainty and feel good about going back to work. So I think there's like three areas in your mindset that it's important to address. So number one, 
address your fears. Find out the bathrooms, the building entrances, the safety um, that's there. Is there, uh, you know, do you wear a mask? Um, are you able to wash your hands? What, what are the things as far right. as safety that, that you can make sure is intact? In Number two is addressing your morale. So right. it's important to reconnect with everybody after we've been gone for so long, you know, and now we're seeing people face to face again. So after being in isolation, just connect with people in the office and, and ask them about their experience, what they've gone through, what's their thoughts. And that's a really, really important thing. Lastly, um, what you can do as far as mindset is find purpose in your work again. You know, get yourself motivated again. And, you know, for so long, we haven't had really set goals because everything's been up in the air. But now that you're coming back to work, find daily goals that you can create and find weekly goals, create them and do them. And it gives you something to work toward and it gives you a little bit more certainty, which will ultimately make you feel better. My son works in Philadelphia and they're going through all, and, and right. I mean, it's a huge company, so they're dividing it up. They're actually doing teams and they went with colors. So the green team actually will be in this week and then the red team in next week. Right. Um, do you see a lot of that happening in businesses across the country? Yeah, I mean, people are, some people, they're kind of breaking up their um, employees when they come into work, like you just said, to kind mm -hmm. of minimize crowding in the office space, which I think is good for right now. Let me ask you this, Don. A lot of uh, parents who are listening right now who have kids that would be daycare. In fact, a lot of people, are they worried about that? Yeah, I mean, that's, it's real, that's really a common concern is child care. So, I mean, what you have to do with that is you have to feel comfortable, you know, talk with the owner of the, of the daycare right. facility and make sure they're doing the right thing. See if they have cameras that maybe you could check in so that way you feel a little bit more at ease where, you know, you can see your child there. Mm -hmm. But it's really up to you to talk with the owners and to make sure that they're abiding by the guidelines and there's a way that you could connect with them or even see a child throughout the day, like I said, possibly with a camera to give you a little more peace of mind. Donna, for people that want to follow you, get more information, how do they do that? My website is movingforwardseminars.com. I do go into companies and help them with the mindset of employees after COVID. So if you work at a company and this is something that you feel you want to have in, I'd be happy to talk with you. And I also do one-on-ones as well. People just getting their life back on track yeah. after all this and getting their mindset in the right place. So I'm happy to help. With all the different things that have been happening over the past few months, one of those which might have been going to the wayside is answering your census questionnaire. But it's still important. And on the line with us right now is Stephen Shope. He is a supervisory partnership specialist. Stephen, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. How about starting out by, I mean, it, it all, it's something that we have said a million times, but just so people can pay attention to hear it. Why is the census important? Why should we care? Well, uh, it's important for a lot of reasons. Uh, it was written into the Constitution as the way in which we uh, ensure that we have equal representation across the state. So uh, the, the data collected in 2020 is going to determine congressional representation for states for the next 10 years. Uh, but something that hits a little closer to home for a lot of folks is uh, census data also determines how nearly $700 billion in federal funding gets distributed to states and communities for everything from uh, school lunches, the libraries, the roads, infrastructures, hospitals, schools, uh, very few things that aren't in one way or another touched by census data when it comes to uh, getting funds distributed. So it touches a lot of lives. Now, is the census this year all online? 
No, but it is the first time uh, that folks can choose to go online to respond, but they still have the option of uh, using a paper form, and they can also call a, a toll-free number to respond over the phone. Okay, I, and you know, one of, one of my concerns when it comes to the census is that it kind of got put on the back shelf because of COVID and because of everything else that's happening, but it is something people need to pay attention to. I got my card in the mail weeks and weeks and weeks ago and immediately, you know, filled out my card for the census. What if, what if people got it, didn't pay attention to it? What do they do now? Anybody who has uh, access to the internet can at any time go online to 2020census.gov and respond online for their household. Um, but uh, 95% of households in America received, the form, or received a, some kind of invite through the mail like you did, uh, usually multiple invites, and then ultimately they receive a paper form in the mail that they can fill out and return. Uh, but there's 5% of the households that don't have city-style addresses or receive mail at a P.O. box or any number of things that would prevent us from sending those things in the mail. And for those folks, uh, we go out and we hand-deliver a, a packet to, the, to those uh, households. Um, and so, as you said, with COVID-19, you know, a lot of things were put on hold, and we we had to place a pause on our operations and that operation where we uh, hand delivered packets was one of those operations that we put a pause on. We did recently resume that in May. We've completed that operation. So at this point, um, I think it's safe to say that any household that's going to receive the forms or the invites in the mail or hand delivered, that that's already happened. So if somebody is concerned that they didn't receive something, uh, and there's always a good chance that a household received it and threw it away. There's still two safety nets. One is they can they can go online and respond. They can call the telephone number and respond. Uh, or we have our final and largest operation called non-response follow-up. And any household that hasn't responded will start sending the enumerators out, knock on their door, and conduct the survey right there on their doorstep. Is there is there a, a deadline? Does this thing stop at some point? Uh, it will stop. Um, uh, we've got uh, still several weeks yet that people have the ability to respond. Uh, we encourage people the sooner the the better because uh, really, you know, just 10 minutes of their time is going to impact their community for 10 years. So uh, the sooner the better. Um, and if you, if, you, if you haven't responded, be receptive of the numerators when they come out to the, to the door. Do you, do you have any idea what the response rate has been like for, uh, for Pennsylvania, for northeastern Pennsylvania? Yeah, absolutely. And we're seeing, you know, we track and certainly anybody in the public can go online to our website, 2020census.gov, and there's an online uh, response rate tracker. It's usually within a day or two uh, that, that um, you can find results. Um, but it was, I think, one of the one of the benefits of COVID-19 was that people were at home and they had time and they were able to go online. And so we were seeing really good response rates uh, in most places in Pennsylvania. And just to give you some numbers, uh, right now the national self-response rate is 61.4%. Pennsylvania is doing 64.7%, which is even better. And then when you look at counties like Luzerne, Luzerne's at 60.9, Lackawanna's at 61.3. So it, it's looking pretty good. I mean, they're they're keeping up with uh, right there with the the state and uh, real close to national and some are even above national. So it's, it's looking pretty good. There's still some work to be done. We know there's still households that haven't responded, so we encourage them to do so. 
Can you, I mean, can you tell people, I mean, I know this because I, I, I already did mine, but the kind of questions that they're going to be answered is it's not in any way an invasion of privacy. It's just basic information. But for people who are concerned, like what are they going to see when they do their census? Sure. The primary information, other than establishing uh, your address, and if you have one of those forms you receive in the mail, uh, that has a unique ID on it that you can punch in that will cover that base for you. But really, it's just asking for names, birth dates, um, sex, male or female, and, and a little bit about your, your ethnic and racial uh, composition of your household. Um, and then that's, that's the most of what you know they're asking for. So it is, like as you said, it's non-evasive, um, and it only takes a few minutes for somebody for their entire household to fill that form out. Is there any other information that we need to get out to people, something that I didn't ask you that you would like to share? Uh, just that we are with that. The non-response follow-up operation is the largest operation that we conduct. And uh, we're still accepting applications. If anybody's interested in working for the United States Census, they can apply online at 2020census.gov forward slash jobs. You fill out a single application and you'll be in a pool and, you know, folks will give you a call and ask you if you're interested in a particular job. If you're not, you can decline it or you can accept it and, and be part of the team. But uh, either come to work for us. But in any case, uh, if you're unsure if your household has filled out a form, just go online and fill it out again. We have we have measures to catch it if there would happen to be a duplicate. But um, it's so important and it's tied to so many important things. Now, you also you also mentioned a toll free number. What is it and why? How would we use it? But it is at 2020census.gov. Maybe you could share that with your listeners. Or- no, we'll 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 punch it up here and we'll get it to them. Stephen, thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to Special Edition. A weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories. A production of Intercom Communications. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.